welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by the regular rugby crew, one of which has had awful technical gremlins so far, but he's still here, Westy and Sam. Westy, you've had you've had issues getting onto Zoom. What's happening? Yeah, I've been through a round of updates in three different devices. Um, where, where are we? We're half an hour late now recording, uh, so thanks for the patience. I, I promise it won't be worth it. No, in fairness, it wasn't your fault. Uh, but the good news is, all your devices are updated to the latest uh, operating system. So, yeah. huge win. Uh, and also, Sam. Sam, you did not have any technical gremlins, so gold star for you. Well done, you. Sam. No, it didn't. But uh, I was only thinking there when we were talking about Zoom. I saw a tweet the other week, and it was very true. Uh, Zoom was definitely the biggest benefactor of the entire COVID situation. No one knew what Zoom was before COVID, and now everyone's on it. Everyone was Skyping. Skype just got completely forgotten about, and it was the only video calling technology before COVID. Yeah, but Skype was always shit. We just didn't know any better. Like People who had iPhones had already moved on to FaceTime. The rest of us were like, do you want to Skype? And I was like, oh, but it's awful. It's like, yeah, we've no other choice. Yeah, it's a good yeah. point. It is a good point. Skype was terrible. But Zoom, yeah, even people like were calling, oh, do you want to have a Zoom? It wasn't like, do you want to have a call on Zoom? It was, they, it became yeah, Zoom the quizzes. name. Zooming. Zoom, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Uh, maybe they uh, planted COVID. Between them and Pfizer, they're up to something anyway. Something, Something's up. And I know Biden's involved. That's all, all I know, that, guys. It's all that uh, the sponsorship they got with the F1, you know, all that subliminal advertising. Zoom. The Zoom, that was a good one, to be fair. I did like yeah. that one. Uh, speaking of sponsorship, oh, segue. Oh, the boys got a partnership. Uh, we are delighted to say that, uh, yeah, we've teamed up with uh, Fanzo for the international, autumn internationals that are coming up, uh, and the Guinness Pine Predictor. Um, so, yeah, they reached out and they wanted to kind of work with it. Uh, and I was delighted because it's free. It's free for everybody. It's free for you. And it helps uh, our podcast out as well. So that was great. So it's it's to basically predict the scores uh, of the of the games and internationals. And if you if you predict them correctly and the winnings team, you get a free pint of Guinness. Wesley, I know you love free pint of Guinness if you got it. I, the only thing I love more than a pint of Guinness is a free pint of Guinness. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I had about 12 of them on Friday night just to prove it, how much I and love you, them. You, and you paid for those 12. Oh. They were free. <laughs> I did pay for them, yeah. In yeah. more ways than one. I still have a stack of two for one vouchers, or buy one get one free vouchers that used to get out of Psychonic Games for uh, the Skeff, and I never got around and Pukon as well. I never got around to using them, and I was like, ah, oh, one day these these will come good. And then me and Westy went, and they were like, yeah, we do not take them anymore. They're so old. <laughs> they were they're about seven seasons old at this stage. But there's no expiration date on them, so I, I maintain that if I kick up enough fuss, they might give me something. Well, that won't happen with this, Sam. These guys, these guys are legit. So all you have to do, if you want to support the podcast and you want to get involved in a bit of a bit of crack, all you have to do is download the free Fanzo app. That's F-A-N-Z-O. Go to the Guinness Pint Predictor and set your predictions. And not only can you win Guinness, but you can also take on me and the boy, Sam Westy, and the other listeners of the podcast too, uh, and see if we actually know what we're talking about. I'm going to give you a heads up. We don't. Uh, in the Fantasy Six Nations Rugby, I sucked. Westy, you were pretty good, I think, were you at the, at the Fantasy? Uh, I tend to start well, but I tend to taper off towards the end. So I think I still beat you two, but that wasn't an achievement because I think we were all below like 20th or something. Yeah, we suck. But we're, I feel like we're going to be better at this one. But you, let's see. If, you wanna, if you're playing at home, let us know and beat us. Uh, and the game's live today. So if you go, download the app, uh, enter my code NONE uh, into the join a league in the Guinness Pine Predictor and you join the league. There's a few in there already. Uh, it's a bit of crack. Uh, and I said you will be supporting there's, the podcast. There's a bit of a bonus week as well before Ireland actually kick off. There's a week of internationals this week coming up. So... Exactly, you get a free pint before I don't even play. 
uh, and as well if you get close enough there is you get a free, you can get a free pint if you're close enough uh, during the week and then if you're within a certain range as well you can send on a free pint to one of your mates uh, through the app as well so plenty plenty of good stuff as I said it's free to the user as well which was a big thing for me um, and I entered the code none into join the league and you join our league so thanks again to Fanzo for that but and uh, bef- let's get stuck into the rugby boys we have a Connacht win to talk about it's only a second time in six games we've been able to say that uh, it's Connacht uh, beat the Scarlets 36 points to 14 uh, last Friday night in the sports ground um, and it was a very convincing win in the end definitely by no means a polished performance or a flawless performance but Sam what impressed me most about this win is during the week I was saying I expect Connacht to win uh, and they did and it was never really I said never really in question no it was nervy the first half I think that we weren't getting what we needed to out of the game I think that Scarlets team weren't up to much they were missing one or two players uh, key kind of players like uh, Louis C and Fafida, but, uh, and then Lee Halfpenny pulled out in the warm-up with a bit of an injury. So that was a little bit of uh, a relief for us. I think Halfpenny could have kicked a couple more points for them. They would have gotten into it. And, you know, going into the half, it being that close, I was kind of thinking we didn't really take advantage of the wind behind us as much as we could have. We're going to be playing into a wind. Thankfully, that wind died down quite a lot. But uh, I thought that we could have maybe pushed a bit further. Jack left a good few points out there in the first half. We could have been a bit further ahead and maybe a little less nervy, but yeah, the, on second watch, it was never really in doubt. I think I watched it back that evening when I got home and we were more controlled, even though we weren't as far ahead as I thought we should have been. We were more controlled than I remember us being when I was there, but that's, I think, just the nerves of being at a game. Uh, and the nerves of trying to get rid of that moniker of being a jinx that I have for going to games. Seeing as the first game of the season that I managed to get to was that Leinster game. Yeah, it's actually a good point. We we forgot about that, Westy. <laughs> He's lost his jinx status, and it quite frankly pisses me off. I was looking forward to really using that throughout the season. Yeah, that would have been um, an easy fallback, wouldn't it? You know? <laughs> it would have been, yeah. Uh, but, Westy, I know, like myself, when Niall Murray blocked that kick down in the first 30 seconds and scored that try, we were thinking 60, 70 points easily, right, on the scoreboard? <laughs> I don't know if I was quite there with you, but like, look, it's a, it's a bit of a dream start. I know there's been kind of questions of whether the ball was grounded since the game, but um, the try was given. Um, it was great effort on Niall Murray's part. He's been good for the char- he's good for the charge downs. I think in, in a lo- good few games this year so far. So it's good to see him kind of imposing himself on a game. Um, I think no matter what we thought the score was going to be, we really thought that would settle Connacht in a lot of ways, and and maybe it did in a lot of ways. But I think we were still quite unsettled kind of up until half time, really like um, there was still kind of, I don't want to call them on characteristic errors because it's the same errors we kind of see the last few weeks. There was still a fair few areas. We still, we still kind of, kind of felt our way into the game. Obviously the try we concede is quite bad, um, but we built well, like a, a beautiful move. I said, Matt Hansen, that's the exact same try we scored against um, Munster. It's the exact same try that we didn't score against Leinster, where there was a bit of a breakdown in communication of where, who, where exactly the pass was going. Was it going to go to Hawkshaw and then Mac, or did it go straight to Mac? Um, so, yeah, like th- there's so much positive to take. And I think getting a score early on, similar to like, you know, holding to not letting Munster score early on, that, that, that sets you up well. When you can see the try in the first five minutes against the Stormers or, you know, well, against Leinster as well, but it's not really as true in that game. It's very tough to get a foothold back in the game. Um, and we turned it on to head this time. We, we got the score and we managed to kind of, um, you know, dog out a, a strong first half performance and then kind of grow into it, I suppose, a bit more in the second half. 
Yeah, I think, Sam, you said at the time, Matt Hansen, he is the king of the unnecessary cutback uh, when scoring a try. I watched it back. He could have touched that down the corner, pretty. I'd say, pretty easily. He probably would have got tackled, but he would have definitely met the corner. But he just he's a, he's a showman. He loves to cut back in and get the fans going. He likes counting ankles. That's why, you know, everyone else has their stats, like tackle stats or pass stats or rooks hitting. Matt Hansen just has like a little tally board with ankles. Yeah, he does. Uh, but it was great to watch. But I will say this. I think someone else may have said it during the week uh, or just so far. I can't remember. But I uh, could have been in the press conference today. I do feel like Connacht have a bit more resolve about them this year. Uh, and even I think we've seen that when conceding that try like we did is sloppy. I feel like Connacht last year would have conceded another one a couple of minutes later. Or at least a, a penalty or something did something stupid. Uh, and we haven't seen that this year. The Leinster game showed a lot of resolve to keep in that one. The Munster one to keep them at bay and get the win. I think we do see a bit more, a bit more mental strength this year, Westy. Is is that fair to say so far? And albeit a small sample size. Well, I think we did concede back to back tries near the Bulls in the Stormers game. I can't remember exactly. What the last three games. <laughs> the last three games. Um, yeah, the no, Stormers one was just a shit show after Bundy went off. So yeah, that's understandable. The one I'm thinking of was they 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 scored. We kicked it to touch, and then we the scrum midfield and the runner. Um, anyway, um, yeah, no, there is more resolve. I think one of the areas that can't are have clearly developed quite a lot is our defence and we've talked about it a lot already kind of uh, in the other games even the games that we've lost is our kind of defence on the goal line our defence of the of the rolling mall in particular um, ha- has come on leaps and bounds and, and that's visible as well in our own set pieces so I think um, I think what you're saying about, about it being resolved is it's definitely most visible in our defence um, our attack maybe we're still we're still working on it. It's still getting to where it needs to be. It's it's a worrying statistic for me. Now, I know in the Scarlet's game, it kind of works out, but the amount of kind of pick and goes or pick and jams that we're having inside the opposition 22 and we're, like, we're not scoring from them. Like we got kind of one try and one penalty try from it against the Scarlet's, but for the amount that we're doing, for the amount that we did it against Leinster and we got nothing for the amount that we did it against Munster, okay, again, the second half, it kind of started to work, but I worry about that resolve. Um, it, it, in the, in the close territories of the opposition half, I'm happy to see that in our half it's holding up and, and we do have that kind of that doggedness about our defence, that organisation that, that really does seem to be really working so far this season. Yeah, you, you, you mentioned the game actually and it was, I when you said it, I was like, oh yeah, that's very true. We haven't scored really off like a strike play or a strike move yet uh, this year, which is something last year we were kind of very good at. This year, it just seems to be. I don't know if it's the new the midfield partnership of Hawkshaw and Rallison, where it's just not as fluid as it as it could be. But we haven't really like torn a, a team apart from a set play yet. That's that's fair, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think it's like that's that's what we got all our praise for last year, and even started this year, we were kind of you know we're kind of known for these strike plays that we run off the back of lines or off the back of scrums, or um. But yeah, it's just something that we don't necessarily have now. I, I will. Like apart from the staff games, the games in the sports ground, like the weather has been quite difficult in all of them. Um, okay, the, the Scarlets game was probably the best weather that we had, and even then there was quite heavy downpours. It was probably the probably almost the most rain, but there was a good few gaps in it as well. So um, we don't have the same kind of attacking platform just yet. You hope as the team get a bit more used to the pitch and as we get maybe slightly better conditions for playing, uh, that we see those strike moves come back and that we see our kind of this kind of new attack that Mac Hansen talks about really take shape in a in a much more um, fluid and, and dangerous way. Sam, there was a yellow card in the second half for Paul Boyle, um, which has caused obviously a lot of... Um 
debate and discussion, and probably rightly so as well. Um, what was your thoughts on it at the time? I know you, we, me, and you kind of went back and forth on it um, at the time. But what have you thought differently now in the last couple of days, or do you still feel the same? Uh, it's it's hard to tell because at the game I was more I wasn't arguing with you in terms of I didn't want the red card or didn't think it was supposed to be a red card personally but I just thought that it would be because of the optics of a player landing on their head and the all the the current regulations surrounding that and you know not allowed to drop players in the head players you have to protect the head and player comes down on his head we saw one a couple of weeks ago where a player came down onto another player and that saved the red card you know complete jamminess onto where the player lands. So in my mind, that was just the optic side of things. And I can understand completely why the Welsh fans, why a lot of fans, even, even players like Lucy and uh, Fafida, and much as I disagree with their takes on it, I think that they're right. I think that some players would get a red for that and some players wouldn't. Uh, and I think that we've seen reds given for far less in the league as well. And we've seen bans given for far less. So it, on the whole, I, I completely understand where they were coming from, where all those Welsh fans are coming from, because it looks very bad. But I think most people commenting on it aren't taking into account that Paul Boyle has actually done nothing wrong. It's Niall Murray who stands up, who flips the player. And we do need to start refing the action, not the outcome. Uh, we said this for a couple of weeks now. We, we would talk about John Clayne as well, about the outcome and in that situation. It, far too long, it's been the mitigating factor has been the outcome as opposed to the action. And you need to stop the action from happening. You need to stop players from tackling high and he stopped players from picking them up and dropping them. And I don't think Paul Boyle was doing that. I think Paul Boyle was doing exactly what uh, Warburton had demonstrated in a video about how to take a jackler out. Uh, and it was to pull him over. And it just unlucky that Niall Murray stands up. That being said, if it was a red card, I would completely understand why. So I, I think that the yellow was fair personally, but I could completely understand the argument for red. And if it had happened, I wouldn't be able to stand here and argue very well against it being a red the way in which i have argued against reds in the past i don't think i would be with that just because a player does land on his head and it's you know it's not a good look for the game frustrating side of things is just a, a conic situation where they were probably going to get a yellow for repeated infringements i think we were on our fourth advantage at that point and on the goal line and you know a try could have been coming a penalty try could have been coming a yellow card could have been coming and it completely gets overturned so that's one of those small errors that that we do compound on ourselves and we just, we make things difficult for ourselves and you want to hope that they, they kind of even out or level out throughout the season. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't think it was right at the time just because of a lot of what you said there. Um, my big thing is a red card should be to, you're trying to remove that action from the game. So like Bundy's clear out last week, you don't yeah. want that in the game. Paul Boyle could do that exact same move next week and it's a great clear out or it's a great, you know, remover of, of a jacket threat. His action isn't dirty. It's not. It's not dangerous. It's as you said. It's unfortunate circumstances that create the the danger. So I think a yellow car was correct, and it's we we'll talk about the client one as well. I think that was a correct decision as well. Um, but you make a good point. This is the problem with kind of rugby at the moment. You could see absolutely, you know, half the referees that give that as a red, the other half won't. That's not where we need to kind of be in rugby. That needs to be a clear kind of cut decision. But like that's obviously very hard to achieve. But yeah, I think I think Paul Boyle did nothing dangerous um to warrant a red card i think that's what red card should be for but i i understand the other argument westy do you want to wrap that up anything you want to add to that yeah like i think it's on i think the action is pulling the player kind of over the rook which players have been doing for years and it just so happens that because murray stands up legs go up and, and lands on his head so it's like the, the key thing for me that would say it's not a red is it's not a tackle and 
Boyle doesn't lift him. Boyle pulls him down. He just happens, you know, not he just happens to fall on his head. Obviously, there's there's other factors at play. But yeah, like and I totally agree. I think it's one of the things that don't really that kind of frustrates me about rugby is this, you know, laws, not rules. Like it's open to interpretation by the ref. I think certain things should be quite, you know, underlined and quite like oh, there's no interpretation of this, that, and the other. Like it 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 would cut out a lot of this time that we spend looking at these decisions and a lot of the time that's kind of wasted on the pitch of, you know, referees reviewing and the kind of a pointless, well, pointless arguments afterwards because we're not going to change the decision no matter how much we give out to each other on Twitter. But that's what Twitter's for, Wesley. That's what Twitter's for, yeah. Starting fights with people you'll never see in real life. <laughs> you'll never see. I would never have the argument in real huh. life. Uh, but as as we kind of touched on the Connacht resolve, normally, you know, we could have seen Connacht, you know, go back into their shell, concede points. We pushed on uh, and actually kind of dominated the next uh, next passage of play and, and up until the, really the final whistle. Um we saw tries from Angier, uh, who has is in ridiculous form. How many? How many? Uh, how many tries has he scored now? Three. Three off the bench. I think he's three. Uh, three off the bench. Three. Um, three and and then obviously Max scoring at the end. But uh, again, Sam, what impressed me most was that Connacht kept the pressure on and uh, and didn't let their foot off the throat. Um, got yellow cards. Got another one. Got a penalty try and and, and kept pushing till the end. Yeah, and it's all linked into what I think Westy was saying about the pragmatism of the team this year. I think that, you know, they, they've developed a defensive set and they've developed a basis and a block and kind of decided that this year they're not going to go all guns blazing and try and outscore the other team because we saw that not work too many times last year. And we have been defensively far sounder. Another part of our defensive uh, being better defensively was our set piece and is our set piece this season because we were cursing the amount of penalties that we gave away and we have done a couple of times this season. We're still very poor for discipline, 15th out of 16th, giving away a lot of penalties. But one thing we're not doing this year as much as we have done in the past is actually conceding from those penalties. You know, they're not, the penalties we're giving away, we're, our discipline is very poor. We 12 too many penalties at the weekend. You know, we were some silly, silly penalties and they were going down the pitch. But, you know, what did they get off at one try that didn't come from those penalties at all? That Their try came from a poor kick. And it's been the same in a couple of games. You know, we were giving away a lot of penalties in previous games, giving away opportunities for teams to capitalise. And we've either got up and disrupted the line out. We've mauled very well. We've defended very well. We've defended resolutely. So I think that that, that whole idea of pragmatism, it, maybe it is affecting the attack, but I much prefer to be where we're at now in terms of being, you know, just being confident in our defence and not looking to have to score 40 because the other team's going to score 36. You know, it's, it's a much, I think in the long run, a much safer place to be. And I think that we have the players and we proved time and time again, we have the players to develop on and kick on. So yeah, discipline needs to improve a little bit, but at least we're not compounding those errors with conceding scores like we have done in the past. Yeah. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. And you kind of touched on the players. West, we saw again, some incredible individual performances. Uh, our boy Porchy was outstanding. Connor Oliver, who I didn't, I didn't think during the game, you know, was man to match, but, but then looking back, he was absolutely fantastic. Um, he does a lot of the work you don't see. Niall Murray, obviously, again, dominating in the line-out. There's, there's been a lot of really good individual performances the last few weeks. Yeah, definitely. And you know, players like Hawkshaw as well, I think, really grown into that kind of first centre position. Um, Mac, I think, as well. I think the work rate from Mac has been really, really impressive uh, so far. But yeah, Poichi, for me, is, an, it's, is the outlier in the best way. I mean, you know, Le- Leinster would have had two extra tries last week, if not for a try saving tackles by Porchy. And then even seeing, we were kind of joking during the game that he was the angriest man on the pitch. Um, but he was really channel- channeling that anger into his play and, and, and getting involved and kind of getting, you know, I wouldn't say getting under people's skin, but like really kind of 
getting in your face uh, during the game. Um, I think what's really kind of changed, well, one of the things for us is, you know, even the likes of, you say about having, you know, Niall Murray or, uh, or, or Leva, you know, starting in the, in the second round, and then you have players like Dowling or Thornbury. Like, Thornbury's not injured. He's just not involved in the match day squad because, you know, for the first time in a long time, we can't. We actually have, um, again, like, like multiple choices for a starting 15. You know, it's not necessarily, I heard someone say during the week, it's, we don't necessarily have a bench anymore. We have replacements. And I think it's a really interesting distinction to make because it's not, they're not always steps down. So, when you're bringing off a player, a big player like Leva, you have someone like Ocean Down to bring on, who's also a big unit, but also has a bit of a tank on him as well and is able to put that work in. So I think, um, you know, it's even impressive to see, like, the likes of Colin Riley coming on at Scrum Half. Like, I think he's been really good coming off the bench. Um, and even bringing a player like Wooten, like Wooten's on the pitch for five minutes and he's almost in, in the corner, you know? It's, it's just really good to see us have these um, as well. And as amazing as I think our starting 15 did, I think one of our one of the best things to come out of the last couple of weeks is that we've played so many players and we've, we're developing this really, really good squad where, you know, like, like Oliver had a blinder and sort of Paul Boyle and Keane Pernagas, but we've still got Harry Langdon who's still growing to come back in or like to Josh Murphy or again, sorry, Jared Butler off the bench. So these are, these are things that we're not used to seeing from a car team. I honestly do think, I know it's, I can say it easy now, but I think it's one of the reasons we're finishing games slightly stronger than last year is that our, our squad is is more developed and is at, at a little bit of a higher level across the board than necessarily having a really strong start in 15, 16, 17. Yeah, Alex Wooten not playing a lot, really. We, we couldn't do our bit last year, Wooten's boots, what boots is uh, Alex Wooten wearing. Remember, we, we tried to get that going for a little bit, but it's a shame. Shame it doesn't play. But also, it, it used to really like make me feel quite sad because Wooten used to stand in the freezing fucking rain yeah. on the right wing, screaming for the ball, and they never passed. I was like, oh, man. But uh, yeah, now like, it's Niall Murray. Now it's Niall Murray. But yeah, we're looking at we're looking at Wesley's t- hit the nail in the head there with the squad depth. Like we're looking at losing four players, five when Blade goes the week later to these Irish squads. But you're looking at not a huge step down. Like Mac goes, and we still haven't seen Adam Byrne this season, and we all know what Adam Byrne can do because he's done it time and time again against Connacht. He's a brilliant player, and we haven't seen him yet. He's nursing an injury, coming back, played off the bench in AIL, and then you have. Uh, Heffernan going but you have Dylan Tierney Martin just back and he's very good in South Africa very good before he went Blade goes I think Blade will start this weekend because you've not seen enough of him this week and he'll need a little bit of game time but Blade goes and Colin Riley is there Marmion's there like I think our squad depth is as strong as I can remember it now with like Beatham going but Andre scoring tries for fun and uh, Dooley coming back in after a bit of an injury so it's, it's a brilliant position to be in I know we had a tough start to the season but I do think that this squad is definitely much stronger than I can remember from the last few years and I think it'll start to click and I think it has been gradually getting there uh, week in week out for the last couple of weeks Yeah you mentioned Porch here just look at the stats here for, so for Connacht he, he leads us in clean clean breaks defenders beaten and metres gained um, which is it kind of shows, and that's on the attacking side of the ball. You know, even on the defensive side, has been also equally as impressive. So, um, yeah, as I said before, probably leads in slow mo catches as well, and also uh, pushing people off the ball after a penalty or something like that. It's just a rat. Like if he was on, a, on the opposition team, you'd hate him, but he's not, thankfully on our team. Um, we'll talk. We'll just talk about now. So Ospreys away this weekend. Ospreys coming off a bad win or a bad loss, sorry, to Dragons and are losing, I think, 13 players to the Welsh squad, which is a huge number. Um, and I feel like this time last year, I was I would almost dread this fixture. 
Um, but I have a confidence about this team now going into this fixture. I think it, I think it all comes down to the set piece and how much much better they are at lineouts and scrums and malls That I don't fear that Ospreys will get will score two tries off the back of of two kind of sloppy malls. I just don't think that kind of have them in there have that in them anymore. Um, Sam, is that foolish to be that confident, or do you agree? I'd be relatively confident given what we've seen the last two or three weeks. But that being said, I don't think we're very successful going away to Ospreys. It's not an easy place to go. Yeah. So it, it is going to be a difficult one. But I think, yeah, we, we lose less players than they do. And I think that we have a good enough squad this year to replace the players we lose. Like usually losing Finley, uh, Heffernan as well, Mac. These are massive, massive losses for us. Even Prendergast. Like this time last year, if you said that we lose Prendergast for a prolonged period of time, I would have been raging, but now you see Josh Murphy ready to go at six or Hurley Langdon ready to come in, Connor Oliver, Jared Butler, Paul Boyle's been playing very well and I don't think he's going to get cited for that at the weekend. So you know, we ha- we have a good enough squad to deal with the players going and I think that we'll see that and see it through. So it'll be a tough game. It's never easy going to Ospreys, but to get it, it'll put us in massive stead for the rest of the season and we it will then start to even out where we were because the worry for me was after the first five weeks, which was really, really tough, was not actually getting the wins that we needed to get to even it out. Uh, but we've gotten two now, you know, Munster and Scarlet. And now if we can get Ospreys and go, and that's three three wins out of four, that's a huge turnaround considering where we were after the first four weeks. So big, big game ahead, but I think Connacht have enough to do it. I'm saying at least a 10-point win for Connacht. Ooh. Putting it out there, you know. Who no got one. first try square? Oh, maybe Jordan Thuggan if he starts. Thuggan. If if Dooley's back, I'd say Dooley will start. No, I know. Uh, I just I just want to say Thuggan. Um, I don't I don't do first. Martin off the back of a rolling mall. Oh, it. gets up and punches someone just because he wants to. Uh, probably. Before <laughs> she flies in, then after. Before <laughs> she gets stuck in, of course. <laughs> uh, Westy, do you share my confidence, or are you going to be a little baby about it? Probably be a little baby about it. Um, no, I share I share confidence for the most part. Like, but uh, the reason I'm a little bit trepidatious, which I know is one of your one of your favorite words. Do Steve. enjoy trepidation. Do enjoy trepidation. Uh, is you know, Ospreys at home and Ospreys away are very are two very different teams from the way the season has gone. They've suffered like heavy losses away to to Ulster and to Dragons, but at the same time at home, pushed the Lions very close. Drew with the Stormers that have barnstorm and win over Glasgow. So. These are things that give me a little bit of caution. Like I said before, that I've, I worry about some of these teams going very French and that their home games become automatic wins and then away games, you know, teams don't really travel as well, you know, as they would have in other years. But um, with the way the six, with the way the autumn internationals is going, I, I think it puts us in a stronger position. Um, you know, I, I already talking about the depth that we said um, already in the podcast. I was asking guys at the game, is there anybody in the squad that we haven't used yet? And I think we came up with one or two lads outside of the academy who haven't had a run out of raid this season. So I'm happy with how we've built. And as you guys said, we won't be so heavily impacted by it. Um, I think Jack is still working his way back up to his best. Um, he's been kind of steadily improving the last few weeks. So um, I'm excited to kind of see him keep keep uh, kicking on, for lack of a better term, and, and getting back to his, to his top form. Um, and yeah, the, the, the likes of then, I think Mariam has been really good. So I think we're going to travel with a pretty good squad. The beauty again for us is that like there, there is a break after this. So I think um, players will want to kind of leave it out there over the autumn internationals. They'll want to go out and give it their all. And they, they'll know how important this game is. And as we say, like we lost forward reopening five, but it's very different if you've lost four, one, three. You know, it puts you in, in you know a much better position um, 
before we break for Christmas. So um, I'm I'm a little bit more kind of apprehensive than you guys are, but I think I think it's there for Connacht. It just we need to see the same Connacht that we've seen the last couple of weeks. And I guess I'm a little bit scarred from last season, season before, where we didn't see consistent performances week in, week out. So, um, look, the, scar, I, the scars are deep. The scars are deep. The, scar, the scars are deep, my friend. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I think I, I think it, I, I think we might win it. I think it's a very tough fixture. Like, Swansea is a tough place to go. And as I say, Ospreys have been very good there all season. Um, but they're missing a lot of key men. So, um, it, it's a great opportunity for Connacht to go uh, away and get away. Would you say the Ospreys are the Guinness of the URC? Just because they wear black shirt. <laughs> Don't travel. Don't travel. Oh, <laughs> I didn't see where you were going with that. Thank you. Very good. And if you want a free pint of Guinness, you know what Speaking you have to do. Speaking of pints of Guinness, uh, Fanzo are doing a great <laughs> pint predictor. Uh, no, I, 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 you know what? After hearing what you said there, Wesley, I want to change my prediction. Connacht by 15. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. I'm well, I'll be over that way, you know, so I'll be in Edinburgh for the weekend. So I'll, I'll try and pop down to Swansea for... Are you, for bringing the the togs, are you bringing the togs in case Friendy gives you the call? And, yeah, you know, I just, I just I shot him an email, you know. Um, I tried to guess. I've been trying to guess his email address for a couple of years now. So every <laughs> week on, I said to him... You're on andy.friend77. Uh, hey, Andy, I'll be, I'll be a seven-hour train journey away. I've made the trip before, so I know I could do it again. I have socks on all the time. <laughs> Uh, but we'll, we'll leave Connacht there um, definitely uh, hopefully uh, a big win this weekend um, the big Irish derby was on this weekend also on the Saturday evening in the Viva Stadium Leinster Munster uh, highly talked about match uh, Leinster came out in top 27 points 13 but by no means an easy game not the best game to watch was a bit uh, loose and a bit sloppy but um, Munster made Leinster work for it that's for sure it's a weird one Sam look at this game because I can see both teams taking a lot of positives out of it, but I also can see, like, like I think Munster did great to keep this game as tight as it did for so long, missing a lot of guys, the men in a dogfight, but I, I also see if that game gets played again tomorrow or, and the same thing happens, Leinster could have had 28 points by half time. Like, it, the first half was that kind of one-sided for a lot of it. So it, what, what way did you kind of look at that game afterwards? You said like you said, Munster made Leinster work for it. I think Leinster made Leinster work for it. Leinster should have been fourteen. They'll open the first ten minutes, and they weren't. And then they ended up being three 0 down somehow. So I think Munster were much improved again. Uh, another good performance from them. Missing a lot of players, so they'll take that from it. You know, they're building squad depth and they're building a good atmosphere. Much iconic in the past few years. It's easy enough to get up for an Interpro that way. You know, in the Aviva, forty five thousand people, people writing them off. Munster were always going to come out swinging. Uh, I'm not sure if they'd be able to put that same performance in away in Dragons or away in Benton or away in Glasgow. You know, it's not the, it's not the same atmosphere and it's, it's a lot harder to do it. So they, they were dogging their defense. They were much more aggressive uh, around the breakdown again this week, which gave them a better platform. But Leinster were really uncharacteristically full of mistakes. And that's something we've said a couple of times this season. I think Leinster haven't hit their full stride yet. Uh, there's no denying that they're brilliant and they're you know all but one point yeah, they've bonus points in every game except for one I think and uh, that's you know that's the sign of a great team that they're able to do that while also being criticised for not being you know in in full flight so it was a hard one to kind of really put your finger on I think Munster will take some positives out of it I think Leinster will be happy that they got such a convincing win in the end considering how kind of poor they played for portions of it but then when, when the chips are down and they really needed to do it, they were able to get it done. And that's what Leinster have done for the last few years and what they'll probably continue to do. So 
you know, for Ireland, from an Irish point of view, it's a lot of good, a lot of good performances in that Leinster team, like a lot of individual performances. Like Ring Rose is really stepping up again and he was very good again. So I think to take from it what you will, like a Leinster, Leinster will take some positives from it, but also take a lot of learnings and work-ons from it. Uh, the main positive for them is that they won and got a bonus point and Munster will take more of a po- positive mindset out of it than really anything positive. I don't think that they were up to much on the ball, but they, they had a couple of big moments and big kind of uh, attitude moments, really. Yeah, I, I don't think, yeah, they, they were never troubling Lancer really when it comes down to it, but they still, they, they did, as I was kind of said during the game, the longer Lancer go without really kind of kicking the gear, the more belief it's going to give Munster, and Munster is going to kind of feed off that. Um, and they fought well, and they, you know, they did, there was a couple of huge defensive uh, shifts in that first, second half, uh, eventually the squad depth think did kick in when the likes of Porter came on and he kind of changed the game as well um, but I think there will be a lot of positives Westy the Munster can take from this they, Ryan Tree has spoken very well and uh, you know he seems to be the man to take him in the right direction and they seem to be going in that direction now uh, with you know a bit a bit of young talent uh, and a bit more of an identity now yeah definitely I think like part of the Leinster mistakes early on is, is the line pressure coming from Munster you know I said the same thing about Connacht Last week against Leinster, I, I I can't not say it now against Munster. You know that that fast line speed and that strong defensive shape, um, kind of just maybe just how how aggressive they were early on, just kind of stops Leinster from hitting that stride from the first minute, which you know which they're known for doing really, um, and it allows Munster a chance to to disrupt them and prevent them from getting an early lead. And I think from then Munster managed the game quite well. I think as you said, like part of the problem is you know. Lenser are kind of that good. It just took, takes them a little bit longer to get going. They have a stronger bench that was able to kick them on ahead. But I think definitely from a month's perspective, like they, they've they've done a lot of work in the last two weeks. You know, mainly since the Emerge Ireland guys came back. But even even a week earlier, they've started pushing these younger lads into the starting team now, and they're using that confidence of the Emerge Ireland squad to to carry that forward. So. I think if you're a Munster fan, I don't know how you're feeling about the season as a whole now, but I think you are thinking in the next couple, that the future looks bright, that there's a lot of players there, a lot of particularly young players there who are embodying that typical Munster spirit, that dogged, that fight, that, you know, that whatever they say about putting on the red jersey, like that that attitude that they want to see on the pitch, they're seeing it from the young guys coming through. So maybe it is, I mean, maybe it is time to, Put a little bit more faith in the younger contingent and 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 see how it does because we saw it against Wasps last year. What wasn't it Wasps last year? Or was it Cast? They played the, the young team against Wasps. 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 Yeah, um, and they got the win. And then once they started, went back to the, the old guard. They lost that kind of forward momentum. So I think, um, I think for Roundtree, um, these young players are probably going to be the the catalyst for the season. They're going to be what drives them forward in the next couple of weeks. And I hope we see more of them, a kind of more integrated squad with the young guys coming through. Yeah, like Crowley's obviously the standout um when it comes to young talent. Like he seems to be the real deal. He's was brilliant with the Emerging Ireland. He's he was good the other night. Um and I think he looks like a real class player. And I, I kind of star an argument on Twitter just because I said it, they need to kind of give him more minutes over other players and people weren't happy like, about that. But your exact words were Put Ben Healy in the bin and get yeah. Jack Crowley on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard you say. I got accused of saying scrappy, which I didn't say scrappy. But this is the problem with Munster. Some of the Munster fans they they want certain things, but they aren't willing to do other things to get to that place. And unfortunately, this is a this is a sport. This is rugby. You're gonna have to. Not everybody can be you know get all the same treatment. Not everyone can get the same minutes. It's just not possible. Um, 
and yeah, like obviously Ben Healy is the one that gets highlighted, but he is nearly fifty caps from Munster, um, and I don't know if he has pushed on the way that they would have expected him to. I don't think he has. Uh, and I'm just saying the reason I say Ben Ben Healy is because Crowley is in that sort of position. I think you need to be giving him those kind of minutes because I think he yeah. is that good. Well, it'll be interesting now because obviously Carberry has gone to the Ireland squad, so they'll have a, a run now with either starting Healy or, or, or Crowley again. And I think, I think why not start Crowley? Like, look at, like, look, no, no, look, it didn't end well for us, but like, look at Connacht three years ago when Carty came back from the World Cup. We pushed ahead with Fitzy because he was playing so well. Like, you kind of have to reward form to a certain degree. I know your your main players are your main players, but when you've got two young lads like that, like everyone's saying that you're, you know, people said to you, oh, you're putting Ben Healy scrappy, but maybe Jack Crowley's already on scrappy, you know, like one of the, like somebody has, there has to be a pecking order at some level, you know, and it doesn't even have to be a fixed thing. Like you can bring in, you can give, use this opportunity now to start Crowley a couple of times and have Healy on the bench to come on. Like it, it doesn't have to be one or the other, but you can increase minutes for someone who seems to be playing at quite a high level. It's not just Healy, by the way. I, like I think I'm a huge O'Mahony fan, but is he the best option for Munster at the moment? Maybe he's not. Maybe they need to look elsewhere. Conor Murray, we all think Casey's the better player for Munster. And a lot of Munster fans agree with this, by the way. It's not just the other province fans. Uh, they just have to, like, they've got some great, like, Thomas O'Hearn's a fantastic talent. Keep playing him. Uh, Keenan Knox has showed some great stuff as well at times. Like, Darren Barron looked pretty decent the other night as well at parts. Like, just given, you have a year where. The fans have accepted this year they're not going to really be at the races when it comes to winning or, or contending. You have a rare opportunity in professional sports where you are fans that are okay with maybe not winning every game. You have to use it to your full advantage, in my opinion. Now, that's only my opinion, of course, but uh, I, I, have no, I've, I have no beef with Ben Healy. I just want to put that out there. Um, are the higher-ups as okay with it as the fans, though? Because I'm 100% on the same page as you are. I'd, I'd be starting a lot of these young, talented players that they definitely have. They have a what looks like a very good generation coming through. You know, Crowley's only a year younger than Healy. It's not like you're bringing a 19-year-old in or an 18-year-old. It's still 22. He's just not gotten the same experience and uh, same access that Healy has in the last few years. But with the higher-ups, would the people in charge of the finances at Munster and the IRFU be okay with, you know, tanking a season to bring through these players? You're looking at a lot of revenue lost if they don't make the Champions Cup. And I don't think they will make the Champions Cup. I think it's, it's too far gone from their abilities right now this season. But you saw what Bulls did last year. You can lose a few games to start a season and go on a run. And if they do, they get the Champions Cup. That has huge implications for the revenue from a, an advertising point of view, from a sponsor point of view, from TV rights, bringing in players. The likes of Norgie Snyman, he's on huge money. He, he like He's not played enough for them. Those Fekitoa is probably on pretty decent money as well. Those sort of players, you know, you can't really justify having them if you're not in the Champions Cup. So it might not be something that they're allowed to. Uh, I'm not sure about that now. I don't know the inner workings of it, but I just kind of spitballing here. I, as a fan, if I was a Munster fan, would be okay with it. If I saw the, I'm going to use my little one, my green shoots, if I saw that week in, week out for them, I would be happy out with it uh, because that's what you want to build with a new coach. But is a team like Munster... Is the the administration going to be as okay with that as fans would be? I think I think you have to allow one year of it, or at least that's acceptable. I don't think one year of bad results is going to turn off the likes of Adidas or the likes of these other companies who sponsored them or whatever. If you had now three or four years of it in a row, then fair enough. But but already existing deals that probably incorporate being in the Champions Cup 
into how much money they give out. You know, these deals are made two, three years, but they have like clauses in them that say we pay this much if you're in the Challenge Cup, pay this much in the Champions Cup because of the TV rights, because of the viewership, because of the amount of tickets sold. So it might already have financial implications. It might not be like turning off potential new sponsors, but actually already be written into contracts. You know, that's where you lose out. Connick, we're talking about it last year, not getting into Champions Cup this year was financially quite a big hit for us. And I think it's part of the reasons why you're seeing no rumours whatsoever about us like, kind of maybe getting in on John Ryan or an Ali Maris or any of these players that are being made redundant by the teams in England. Because I just don't think we actually can afford it. No, we absolutely can't. Um, it comes back then to the classic, is it a business or is it a sport? Um, and the people in the suits tend to make the decisions. So, um, well, we'll move on from that. Westy, Leinster, they really haven't had... Uh, a, a fuck you performance yet for lack of a better phrase uh, they obviously now when saying that they're unbeaten bonus points galore all that jazz but they haven't really had a game yet where you're like wow that was impressive yeah I mean I think probably the closest they had was the Sharks game but even then you you caveat that with the amount of points they conceded um, and look at part of me wants to believe it's just because the overall standard of the league has improved you know and I, th- I would say that that has a small uh, part to play in it but I think uh, no more than every other team, Leinster team will have to keep evolving. You know, they can't keep running the same switch plays year in, year out. So I think part of them is is about, you know, developing their own attacking style. And it, it is tough. And maybe again, maybe we're seeing it just a little bit more this year. It is tough, the amount of rotation that they do do. Uh, do, do um, with players on the Emerged Ireland Tour and players who were unavailable at the start of the year because they were in New Zealand. And, you know, players gone now again, I think... Um, I think it's a little bit more evident, but it's, I'd say they're no more than no more than other teams. I'd say they're kind of using this period to, to get players rotating in and out. Because again, for Lancer, all that what I said last week was that they'd be kind of happy because they went to go and it was job done. Like these these games for them, with the exception of maybe the Sharks and, and the Monster game, are quite work day. They're quite like let's get in and get out and win the game and make sure we stay top of the league. Their bread and butter is Europe and that's what they'll be building towards. So they won't be worrying too much about not having these outlandish performances in the URC as long as when they do, when it does come business time in the European Cup that they'll be at the level they want to be at. Yeah, no, that's, that's well said. Looking ahead next week, Leinster plays Scarlets. Um, I don't think anyone sees that going any other way apart from <laughs> this could be their uh, fuck you performance <laughs> against Scarlets. We could see a big number put up because uh, Scarlets definitely didn't look great. And I don't, they haven't won, haven't been an Irish opposition in over a year, I think. Is that the status going around? It's been, it's been a while. Yeah, read something like that already. Yeah, and they're, they're not on form this year. I think we just jumped them in the league after the win at the weekend. Uh, I think we're, all, we're yeah, both they, on nine points. Both on nine points. You're looking at the league here. Like a kind of win at the weekend, can, you can jump up a fair bit. You're looking at some tough games in the teams ahead of us: Dragons, Glasgow, Ospreys. They're all within reach in the next game. Uh, Benetton, if we really get, if we get push a five pointer and they get nothing, so good over overtake Munster as well. There's potential there to jump up into where I think our rightful position is, and that's humming and hawing around the mid table with an opportunity for a late break towards that 7-8 spot if it comes available after a good run. So I think, yeah, I think it's season's going to even out a bit, but I can't see anything other than a Leinster win at Scarlet's here. It's going to be very interesting what Leinster do at Hooker because they've been reluctant to use anyone other than Dan Sheehan this entire year. I think he's played 80, if not 75, if not 80 minutes in every game so far he's played. McKee came on on the 79th minute. So do they trust McKee or do they just want to get every ounce of energy out of Sheehan, because uh, 
you know, a fit and fire and Sheehan scores a lot of tries for you, but we don't know what McKee can do. And uh, I think Keller is still a while away yet. So, and they, they signed that McElroy as well, the former under 20s player who played for Saracens as well. So, don't know what they're going to do. I'd say you'll see McKee start this weekend, especially with before the Autumn Internationals. I'd be shocked if you see Sheehan starting, but you never well, know. no, Sheehan's gone. Uh, the internationals are oh, all gone, all gone yeah, so. this week. Yeah, so I'd say we McKee will start. So, um, and I'm sure he's pretty good too I wouldn't say he's there if he wasn't but uh, why are they not playing him then like why are they taking Sheehan off in the 79th minute and not like the 50 or 60th minute like they do with other what most hookers do this is Leinster who played Johnny Sexton 75 minutes every game when he plays they don't that's only three games a season though so I know I'm saying they still don't take him off after Furlong plays tends to play a long time too I, 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 there must be some reason for it but anyway we'll move on to, uh, Munster playing Ulster uh, the, the actually the game before Connacht game Sorry, Let's hope that Ulster don't shit themselves again. Uh, we said, I, I promised David Topping, who's an Ulster fan, no shit jokes. And Wesley, you broke I thought that was a pretty good joke. joke. No shit jokes. No shit jokes, yeah. So only good ones. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, that was that was bad that Ulster got E. coli. That's not good. Uh, hopefully everyone. 29 players, 13 staff, that's a widespread attack. Like E. coli could affect you for the guts of a week in terms of just getting back to training, getting back into Ireland. So, that this game at the weekend could be in very much in the balance because you know if Ulster are able to field, uh, which you know a lot of players that are affected by that might not be ready by then, so you might be looking at digging deep into your deep, like extended squad. You could end up being in a position where Ulster are not in any way as strong as they should be, and some players gone to Ireland as well. So it's a it's worrying for Ulster. Like that's a that's a big ailment to have, and like just without training for a week before that coming back from South Africa with that that's you know that's very worrying for the game for them from their point of view for this weekend you could say travel alone was disruptive let alone travelling with an on well squad and then you know like when what opportunities are they going to get to train this week it's it's worrying for them really and uh, like we've just spent the last 10 minutes talking about how good we think the monster youth are coming through like this could be a real opportunity for them to take a real scalp and really kick on Especially at home, the Tomond as well, where the yeah. you know, monster always play well. Yeah, also could get tired early. They might get pooped pretty early. <laughs> Do you reckon they split the jacks on the plane home? You have fours up the front, backs down the back or something. There's nothing. My my idea of living hell is having toilet issues on a plane. I can't think of anything worse. I know it's probably a nice plane, and I'm sure there it's just got a demo, whatever. Still must be a nightmare. But, you know. I mean, planes are just essentially tubes of farts anyway. <laughs> yeah. If you're and on a like, long haul flight, is there any actual air left in that plane? It's off. No. And also those those airplane toilets, they'll you, you could flush a shoe down that with those things. I mean they are uh, they are strong. Let's just say that. But uh again, enough. We've spoken too much about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, Munster Ulster, that'll be it should be a good game though. Um I still think Ulster well again, yeah, you put you make a good point. It's very hard to tell uh what Ulster's gonna show up. Uh, but I'm looking forward to watching it regardless. Um, we will end on the Ireland squad that was announced for the upcoming Autumn Internationals. Um, <clears throat> we'll just quickly go through uh, backs uh, listed. Uh, Balakoon, Carberry, Craig Casey, Kieran Frawley, Gibson Park, Mac Hansen, Robbie Henshaw, Hugo Keenan, Michael Larry, uh, Connor Murray, Stuart McCluskey, Calvin Nash, Jimmy O'Brien, Gary Ringrose, Sexton and then Stockdale. Um, quickly talk about that. Obviously great to see uh, Mac Hansen in. Um, we obviously don't see Bundiaki because he would be able to play for two of the games, so it makes sense. Um, great to see the likes of uh, uncapped. Uh, well, was Frawley? Yeah, Frawley's not capped due to his uh, Ireland, Emerging Ireland stuff, is he not? 
No, so, so uncapped. Uh, also, um, Calvin Nash, who I was very impressed with on the Emerging Iron. I thought he was very good. Um, so and Jimmy O'Brien as well, who's always impressed for Leinster. But I think Sam, there's a lot of injuries in this. We'll talk about the backs just, but the, you know, a lot of these guys that were named aren't necessarily fit and firing at the moment. Yeah, which is a really interesting place to be. That and the fact that they named three centres, I think, are they, they are. I know Frawley was named as an out half, but I think that they're keeping him in reserve for a potential start in twelve with, uh, if if needs be. So that or they they want to bring money back for the last game. I just. I, I think it was quite light in the centre considering Ring Rose's Angel's injury history and bringing some players that haven't played all season or who are injured or who just barely back from injury. It's a bit of a risk and it's it's one that I'm interested to see how it plays out. Like, is Gibson Park going to be back? Is he going to be available? Who who starts ahead of him? Because he really is what makes Ireland tick in terms of the way he plays and Casey's probably more of a like-for-like but less experienced than Murray. So it's a very interesting one. The box game being the first game is also very interesting. You don't have a chance to kind of build up to it you have to go all guns blazing for that first one and as a I don't think Hugo Keane has played all season so you might look at Mike Lowry there or Jimmy O'Brien uh, Stockdale has they've experimented with Stockdale at fullback in the past Hansen has said his favorite position is fullback you know there's, there's plenty of opportunity there to mix it around but doing that against the world champions is not something you really want to be doing you want to maybe mix it around in a Fiji game first and, and build up to a box game not not start playing against the world champions uh, yeah, forward then we have Ryan Baird, Finley Balam, Tyg Byrne, Jack Conan, Gavin Coombs, Kellen Doris, Tyg Furlong, Dave Herfordon, Keane Healy, Rob Herring, Jeremy Lockman, Joe McCarthy, Peter O'Mahony, Tom O'Toole, Andrew Porter, Keane Prendergast, James Ryan, Dan Sheehan, Nick Timoney, Kieran Treadwell, and Van der Fleer. Uh, uncapped there, obviously, is Keane Prendergast, which we're all delighted to hear. He's he's going to get capped, hopefully. Uh, Joe McCarthy, Jeremy Lockman. Um, I think they're the only three uh, uncapped forwards as well. Um, West, your thoughts on that? It's a pretty, pretty strong pack. Obviously, delighted to see the likes of Keane Prendergast get brought up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm really happy to see kind of Keane Prendergast get continued involvement. I think that's what's really important for him at this stage in his development. You know, was brought in last year uh, around this time, or it was only for Six Nations maybe as a development player, and then kind of since he's kind of been involved in in nearly every way possible. You know, with the Ireland, uh, Ireland, uh, emerging Ireland and the Ireland emerging Ireland fifteen or whatever we call, Ireland Day, whatever we called it in New Zealand, I, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, um, I, I think it's a pretty. I love seeing a bit of change as well. I know some of it's kind of injury force, but seeing you know new front rows come in, seeing Lachman get his shot, getting um, seeing the likes of Joe McCartney and and seeing Treadwell recorded as well because I think he's another one who was brought in and has 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 performed on what was asked of him and. Um, I I hope there's more room for development for him in the next kind of well, primarily in the next twelve months because that's where we're really going to be tested. Um, again, as we said earlier, like there's still a lot of injuries in that forward pack, so I think I think I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the A team are kept in the uh, in the camp throughout. But I've been very wrong about these things before. Um, but yeah, I think that more so than ever. I know, I know it's it's a cliche, but. The victory against the box isn't the most important thing here. It is about going out there and giving a performance because you don't beat the box the same way you beat the All Blacks. It's it's just a very different game. So what we need to do is is kind of what we've been doing uh, against South African um, franchises is matching them physically and showing that we can that we're not afraid of, of that aspect of the game plan. And I think we spoke to Mac at the start of the season and he talked about how excited he was playing the All Blacks, how he grew up watching these players, and how we played week in week out with them. 
you know, playing for the Brumbies. So there wasn't this air. So this is where I really think having the South African teams in our league is going to benefit us. There's no big, terrifying Ebenezer who we only see play once a year. No, we played against him two weeks ago. So, uh, well, I actually don't know if any Irish oppositions did play against him, but um, these players, we're seeing them week in, week out. They're going to lose a bit of that mag, that, you know, mysticism of world champions they're just guys you play against week in week out so again I, i'd love to see a win and i think we're definitely capable of a win so i'd be disappointed if we d- aren't at least close but it's about the performance it's about it's about showing how our game is now adaptable against uh South african team yeah no that's a very good point that's a great point with the south africans as well um quickly touching the ireland AA panel so tom ahern damon Barron, caelan blade Jack Crowley, Shane Daly, Max Deegan, James Hume, Dave Kilcoyne, Marty Moore, Jamie Osborne, Scott Penny, and Roman Salanoa. Obviously, from the comic perspective, good to see Blade, who um, who missed out in the Emerging Ireland tour due to injury. So hopefully, he will feature in this Ireland A panel. And it's a, a lot of the guys on that Ireland A panel are the guys from the Emerging Ireland panel, and a lot of exciting youngsters mixed in with the likes of obviously Dave Kilcoyne. Um, a few more of the older guards in that sense but yeah I think it's exciting to still have the Ireland A panel Sam isn't it and then it's obviously exciting to the likes of Blade being involved in it yeah and it's really interesting what they've done just naming 12 just going to show that there will be involvement from some of the players that aren't going to get full test or a lot of minutes in the full test team from that main one so I do think you see maybe the likes of Prendergast coming back uh, or uh, McCluskey coming back into that team and getting game in that Ireland A against New Zealand team uh, and it's brilliant for Blade, brilliant from a kind of point of view. I think an interesting one is Marty Moore, just in terms of with the view to the World Cup. I think he's been going about his business quite well, uh, and it's great to see him back in. Dave Kilcoyne, I'm a little bit confused about because I know he's a fantastic player. He has been in the past. He's been a brilliant player for Ireland and for Munster. He's really he's made an absolute nuisance of himself anytime he's played in the sports ground. But I think that this season and maybe a bit of last season, he's he's not quite the same powerful player that he was Uh and I thought that that Ireland A would be more of an emerging Ireland sort of vibe and less of a player like James, uh, Dave Kilcoyne. But, you know, if you're, you're going to be playing against a really strong New Zealand Select 15, uh, so having players with experience is also going to be really important. Uh, Salanova is an interesting one, and Scott Penny is worth probably going down the bookies now and saying uh, first try score Scott Penny because that's what he does for fun. Uh, just look at the, 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 the squad here. How many caps do you think Dave Kilcoyne has for Ireland? If you if you if you see them, don't say. It, but I, I'm sure. Thirty four, twenty five, forty eight, nearly fifty caps for his country. I would never have, never have guessed that. Uh, but like he's a solid, really solid player. So I'm not surprised. But uh, yeah, shocked by that. Uh, but yeah, I think. Look, I'm excited it's a bit international rugby coming up. Um, last year's was very successful for Ireland, uh, and it's been kind of on the rise since. So they are they are important to do to do well, and so um, I think we'll wrap it up there, lads. Uh, we'll be back next week to discuss um, the Connacht game as well as all the other URC action, and we'll be previewing then and giving our predictions, our fans' old predictions uh, for the upcoming um, Autumn International. Sam, yes. Before we go, can we give a quick shout out to our boy TATA Tuamanga who uh, won the Bunnings with Wellington at the weekend chuffed for him uh, and Ruben Love who's going to be in that uh, New Zealand Select 15 or hopefully plays against Ireland because he's travelling the squad was in as well it was uh, first time in 22 years Wellington won and it was class it was great to see the can't be in the final so happy days congrats to TATA congrats to TATA exactly uh, thanks for reminding me of that um, alright boys appreciate it as always and we'll see you next week Bye. Bye.